0: talking about around here, a topic. Does anybody know what it is? Jesus' service teams. And so we're going to continue on that tonight. And if we really stay in faith, we might finish it. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, let's put up our verse so we don't go too far without having a verse up here. Uh, Ephesians 2.10. And we'll read it. Let's read it together tonight. For we are His workmanship. Wait a minute, whoa, stop. Guys, change it and put it in the Amplified. That's what we've been reading, and I'm kind of humming. Yeah, there we go. For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined and planned beforehand for us taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for who to live? Us. Us to live. That means every person in here even the ones that didn't read the verse. It'll spill over on you, even if you didn't read it, because we read it for you. It means everybody, okay? We're going to live the good life, because that's what God prepared for us to do. So uh, say, I qualify. qualify. Yeah, that's me. So the first week we talked about Keith and I, how we met and how we got into the ministry. How many of you were not here for that? Mm, A third. And then the second week we talked about... Well, in that week, I think it was even in that week, we talked about when you know you're supposed to do something, but what? You just don't want to do it. That could hold you out of God's will for a very, very long time. Because your flesh is never going to want to do certain things that it's supposed to do. And sometimes when you really, really get that feeling when you you don't want to do it, that's when you really, really should do it. So watch out for that. And then... Um, The next week we talked about the path that led us to certain intersections and connections with certain people and certain material things in our lives. If we follow the right path, it will keep us in the right direction and hooking up with people that get us to the places we need to go in our life and things that God has planned for us. And he set in motion before we ever got there, like the ram in the thicket. was there ahead of time for Abraham. Right? All right. And then the next one we talked about faithfulness, that a person must be faithful and they must be first proven before they can receive a higher level of service for the Lord. And today when I was thinking about that word, I thought, okay, you're a little blonde, but think about this. Y'all can pretend like you're blonde for just a minute. What does full mean? Full. If you've got a cup and it's full, there's no more room. Right? It's not lacking anything, right? It's full. What is the first part of that word? Faith. Now I'm blonde. Faithful. Faithful. You're full of faith. faith. So how do you become faithful to someone? You gotta start by being full of faith that you can be faithful to someone. We use that word a lot, but words are made up of words. Faithful. You're full of something. Let's hope it's faith. Okay? And if you haven't been faithful, we should get full of faith. All right? So faithfulness. All right? And uh, proven. And then the last one we talked about. We talked about all the teams, the crusade team, the hospitality team, the transportation team, the usher team, and uh, the prayer team. We talked about all those last night, last week. Was it last week? Yay, okay. And then uh, we even talked about Moses a little bit. Do y'all remember that? And Moses arguing with God. You know that's kind of (coughs) dumb to argue with God. God. Argue with me is one thing. You know, you might convince me to change. But arguing with God that he made us, that's kind of not so smart, right? But tonight, I want us to go on and I want us to talk about another team. I want us to talk about Jesus' security team. Did you know that Jesus had a security team? I didn't either until the Lord told me. I like it when the Lord tells you stuff. It's a really good thing. So let's look at it. John 18, verse 7 in the King James Bible. 18, 7. It says, Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way, that, that, that the saying might be fulfilled, which he spoke of them, which us thou me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, now listen to, listen to this next verse very, very carefully. Verse 10, Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it out and smote the high priest, servant, and cut off his right ear. Phew! And the servant's name was Malchus. Then Jesus said to Peter, Put up that sword in your sheath. The cup which my father has given me, shall I not drink it? And the band and the captain and the officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him. Now, when I was studying that, I got a little bit confused. And let me tell you why. Let's look at another scripture here for just a second. Luke 22. Verse 36. See if you've ever noticed this before. I know y'all are scriptitorians. Y'all may have caught this way ahead of me. Luke 22, verse 36. In the King James Bible. Jesus is talking to them, and this is before that episode happened. But Luke is a doctor, so he's pretty detailed. Okay, doctors can be pretty detailed with things. Right? So he says to them, But now, he that doesn't have a purse, let him take it. And likewise his script. And he that has no sword, do what? Do what? Sell his garment and do what? Sell his garment and do what? Go buy you a sword. If you don't have a sword... Go buy you a sword so that you're ready for when these guys come get me. Now, can that get pretty confusing to a person that's helping you? Don't look so quiet out there. Think about it in just a minute. Okay? I tell you, we're about to go into battle. Here we go. But before we go, how many of you don't have a sword? Raise your hand in here if you don't have a sword. Raise your hand you don't have a sword. Okay. We're about to go into battle. There's a church over here we're about to do battle with, real battle. If you don't have a sword, go sell your coat, go sell your jacket, go sell whatever you got, and go buy you a sword. We're going into battle. Okay? How many of you are going to do it? Go buy you a sword. Jesus, you'd obey Jesus, wouldn't you? Some of you got hesitant. No, we're not going to use a sword. Jesus told them to go get a sword. Surely you're going to obey Jesus, right? Okay? So here they are. They're in the situation. In the heat of the situation. And they're coming to take Jesus. What in the world do you need a sword for if you're not going to use it? They're coming to take Jesus away. This would be the opportune time to use the sword to keep them from taking... They're going to take me away. Y'all get a sword. Y'all are going to need it. Now, I know y'all, y'all met Dan and Rob, right? And Dave. The three bears, you know, that can't help me out, right? I guarantee you, if I said, get a gun... You're probably going to need it. And somebody came and tried to take me. I would not have to wonder for one second if they didn't pull their guns out and try to shoot somebody. It's like in their nature, they're going to protect me. That's just who they are. They've done it forever and ever and ever and ever. So I have to watch them. I have to say, you're not security. All you're doing is going shopping with me. That's it. That's it. And, And they're like this. And I have to stop them. I don't need security. Mrs. Moore, Mrs. Moore they say, dye your hair another color because you stand out blonde. I said, so what? I mean, they're security. That's who they are. That's what they've been trained to do. But they have a gun for a purpose. If somebody tries to get me and do me harm, they're probably going to use that gun. Well, that's what Peter did. But what should Peter have done? What should he have done? All he should have done, it would have been real, real simple follow the leader like a little kid. That's the title tonight. Just follow the leader. The leader's there this time. If Jesus doesn't do anything or say anything to insinuate, we're about to go into battle, then you keep that gun in your pocket. You don't do anything. If Jesus tries to defuse it, if Jesus goes with him, if Jesus does it, you follow the leader. You follow what Jesus tells you to do. Jesus didn't tell him to cut off that man's ear. Did he cause a situation for Jesus then? Yeah. Here comes Jesus. He had to come up, pick up the guys right here, and slap it back on, okay? (laughs) So here's Jesus' enemy, and he's having to heal him. Don't ever let the devil tell you God don't like you and he won't heal you. Jesus healed his enemy. Huh? Jesus right there the guy's ear was cut off he the man hated him and he still healed him So no matter what you've done maybe you chop somebody's ear off it's okay God will still heal you And I doubt you chop somebody's ear off But then they expect Jesus to take care of the situation It's it's so easy when you just follow The one that's in charge. Follow the one that's leading. Follow the leader. Let's look just a minute at something else that we begin to talk about. Before we do, look at Malachi 3.6, and I think everybody in here knows this. Malachi 3.6 in the Amplified. Sorry. I want to make it real plain so it doesn't get confusing to anyone. Everybody in here can probably read, so I want you to get this first part of this verse. It says, For I am the Lord, I change every 30 seconds. Right? For I am the Lord, I what? I do not change. I do not change. Everybody say that with me. I am the Lord. I I do not change. change. Now I'm about to tell you a story, okay? You ready? ready? All right. How many of you is not ready? Okay, you're ready. Exodus chapter 25 is in the Old Testament. But the New Testament tells us that the Old Testament was given to us as an example for us today. So, we don't live under the law of the Old Testament, but the Old Testament was given to us as an example for us today. So, I want you to get this example, okay? The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites that they take for me an offering. Uh, This is the Amplified, guys. From every man who gives it, who will give it willingly and ungrudgingly, with his heart you shall take an offering. And this offering you shall receive gold and silver and bronze and blue and purple and scarlet and fine uh, twine linen and goat's hair and ram skin and oil for light spices and onyx stones. And he goes on and tells them all about the offering that they're supposed to receive. And then verse 9 he says, And you shall make it according to all that I show you the pattern of the tabernacle or the dwelling and the pattern of all the furniture of it. And then he says, you shall make it of Achaia wood, two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half foot wide and a cubit and a half high and you shall overlay it with pure gold inside and out and a crown of gold and verse 17 says you you shall make a mercy seat and a covering of pure gold two cubits and a half long and a cubit and a half wide and then verse 23 says make a table of wood and two cubits long and one cubit wide and a cubit and a half high for the showbread. and then verse 24 overlay it with pure gold and make a crown and a rim and a molding and gold on top of it and then verse 25 make a frame and make it of a handbreadth, and Around it and below the top, and put gold on it and molding on the border. And then verse 29 says, And you shall make it, and all this is going through and explaining stuff in detail. And it says, You shall make plates for the showbread, and cups, and flagons, and bowls, and make them of pure gold. And then you're going to make a lampstand, and you should make it a pure gold. And uh, it should be beaten, and it should be turned into a lampstand, and the shaft of its cups and its knobs should have flowers on it. And it should be of one piece, and its six branches shall come out of the sides of it, and three branches on the lampstands, and one on the side, and one of the branches on the other side, and three cups with almond blossoms, and each with a knob and a flower and a branch, and three cups and three almond blossoms and the other branch. And then verse 35 says, and I'll make a knob on the shaft, and each pair with six branches going out from the lampstand, and one piece of on it, and verse 40, and a copy, and see that you copy their pattern which was shown to you on the mountain. Then he keeps going. Chapter 26. Moreover, you shall make the tabernacle with ten curtains of twine linen and blue and purple and scarlet. Now he's going to get into the colors. And the length of one curtain shall be 28 cubits. And the breadth of one curtain shall be 4 cubits. And each of the curtains shall measure exactly the same. And the five curtains shall be coupled to one to another. And the five curtains shall be coupled... Uh, let's see. And then uh, verse uh, 5 says, Fifty loops you shall make into the one curtain. And fifty loops on the edge of the last curtain. And the second curtain shall be coupling the first curtain. And the loops shall be corresponding with the other loops. And you shall make fifty clasps of gold. And the bastion the curtains together. And then verse 12 is, The surplus of the curtains. Okay? remain. I mean, the extra excess of the curtains what you're supposed to do with that you're supposed to uh do this in the tent and the half of the curtain that remains shall hang over the back of the tabernacle and then on verse 17 it says and make two tenons in each board dovetailing the boards how you're supposed to put the boards together and fitting together and you shall do all this for the tabernacle boards and then verse chapter 27 and you shall make an altar of wood and five cubits and three cubits and are you getting the picture Does God like to give details? Is He a very detailed person? Did He tell them exactly what to do and how to do it? He is God. He changes every five minutes. God is a very detailed person person, he took chapter after chapter after chapter, and we're not done, because he goes on in verse 28, and he begins to tell him about Aaron, take your brother and his sons that they may be ministers for me, and verse 2, and you shall make Aaron, your brother, uh, sacred garments, and uh, tell those who are expert whom I have endowed with skill and good judgment that they make Aaron's garments, and sanctu-. what if we do that today? I wonder how well that would be. I don't think it would go over very well. Okay, the singers need new garments. Okay, tell the ones that can sew in the church, stop doing what you're doing and make garments for all of them. Hmm. We'll just proceed. Um, um, verse 20, chapter 29, and then uh, he goes on to tell about how that they're supposed to do a bath before they can even put their new clothes on. He tells them how to give them a bath. He says, Bring water for these sons to the door of the tent of meeting out of the labyrinth and wash them with water. And then take the garments and put it on Aaron and the long tunic. Is God detailed? If you don't believe it, go back and read this. Read how he told them how to do every little tiny detail for a T E N. Tea. it's not even a house it's a tent and he told them every little detail that they were supposed to do and how they were supposed to do it but you know what impressed me about it the more I studied about it and the more I begin to see this and the more I Was thinking about Moses From last week Do you know why God Chose Moses Anybody Anybody Yell it out Anybody He said he was the humblest man on the earth But is that why God chose him Let's find out. I was impressed. I think you will be too. You know what? Moses grew up as the Pharaoh's son, you know, but they didn't fix his speech impediment. Don't you think they could have fixed? I mean, they had all the money in the world, but it still wasn't wasn't fixed. I think there was a reason for that so that we would all be able to say, hey, he had a problem. We got a problem. We can still do it if he could do it. For real. But why did God choose Moses? Look at Leviticus 8, 4. I think you'll get a picture here. Why God chose Moses to get his Ten Commandments and lead the children through the Red Sea, and the Red Sea parted, and feed a manna in the wilderness, and see miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Leviticus 8, 4 in the King James. And Moses... What? Did Did as the Lord commanded him. Numbers 17.10. And the Lord said unto Moses, Bring Aaron. And verse 11. And Moses did so as the Lord commanded him. Numbers 20 verse 27 And what? Read it with me. Look at the board. Moses did as the Lord commanded him. Numbers 27:22 These are just a few. I think you could get your Bible out and you could probably find about 5 dozen Moses 27, 22, 27, 22, sorry guys, 27, Moses, uh, sorry, numbers 27, 22. There we go. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. Why did God choose Moses? Because he knew If he told him to do something He would do it What qualifies you? I was looking a while back For the hundred most men used in the Bible Why? The church is still going on why couldn't your name be written right there with Moses' name, Abraham's name, Sarah's name, anybody else's name like that? What would separate us from any of them? The only thing that stood out was Moses' did exactly the way God told him to do things. When God said, make it out of this, he made it out of that. When God said, go to the Red Sea, he went to the Red Sea. When God said, follow the cloud, he followed the cloud. When God said, go tell Pharaoh this, he went and told Pharaoh that. When God said, do this, he did that. When God said, jump, he said, how high? That is what made Moses the man he was. Not because Moses was so smart. Think about this. Jesus comes to the earth and he can pick anybody that he wants to pick to be his disciples. God can pick anybody. He can pick the greatest minds in the whole world to be Jesus' disciples. Who does he pick? Fishermen. Why does he pick fishermen? Because they'll do what Jesus said do. And they'll hook with him and they'll follow him. It doesn't take somebody being wealthy. It doesn't take somebody having a brilliant mind. It doesn't take somebody knowing all the answers. It doesn't take somebody having all the money in the world. It doesn't take anything like that. The only thing that it takes is when God tells you to do something, you do it. The New Testament talks about it with Jesus. What, what is the number, very first miracle that was performed? Turning the water into wine. When Jesus told his disciples to go fill the water pots with water, what did they do? They went and filled them with water. That was the beginning of miracles. Now, did that take a brilliant mind to go fill those water pots with water? No. All it took was somebody that did what Jesus said do. Did they have to turn the water into wine? Oh, and that's, guys, where we mess up. We mess up trying to turn the water into wine. We mess up trying to get the money in. We mess up trying to fix everything. When all we have to do, we don't have to part the Red Sea. We don't have to remove the locust. We don't have to uh, get rid of the flies. We don't have to do anything except for what? Do whatever he tells us to do. What do you tell him to do on the manna? Pick it up, don't pick it up. Pick it up, don't pick it up. That's all. That's all we have to do. And you can have a miracle every single day in your life by doing exactly what he tells you to do. That's why Moses was used. It's because he did exactly what the one, the leader, God told him to do. And it's the same way with us. Hebrews... 3.2 Three, two says this. Look at this. I liked it so very much. I think it's in the King James. Let's see here. No, no it's in the New Living, guys. It says, For he was faithful to God who appointed him Just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. Could that be said about you? I'm believing I'm getting better at it every single day. Are you? Oh, you should say it whether you are or not. Make you a good confession. I'm believing I'm getting better at it every single day. Is that you? Yes. Yes. We're getting better at doing what God tells us to do every single day. No matter how many times we've missed it in the past, we're getting better at it every single day. Every minute we're getting better at it. When God tells us to do something, we're jumping on it, we're doing it without hesitation. Because that's how things turn around. Verse 5. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. Now this was the part that I liked. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. Now let me tell you why I like that. Because so many things in my life I haven't understood. God has just said, go do this. And I don't understand why I know one day we were doing this building It was before we got very far And I was needing to talk to some people at a, at a business And I was needing to meet some of the head people In regards to get something taken care of Without having to jump through so many hoops And one morning I woke up and, and I always very first thing I do in the morning Is that I get up and pray for an extended period of time And so I was praying that morning And the Lord said Get up from your prayer time Get dressed And get to this place now. So I jumped up and I ran and I threw my clothes on and my makeup was kind of askew and my hair was kind of a mess, but I got there. And I walked in and I met the person's wife. And she said, you know what, he's not here. He's over here at this other location. Um, I know who you are. And um, I think if you went there now, you could catch him. So I got in my vehicle and I went clear to this other place, which took me like... 40 minutes to get there. And I walked in the door, and I kid you not, when I walked in the door, they were having a meeting with the whole board, every person that I needed to meet. It got me exactly in the door, brought me right in, introduced me to all the people that I needed to meet. I got my answer right then and there. They took a vote. We got it. No problems. Everything was done, settled, which would have taken two and a half months that I needed the answer right then. But why? Why? What if I'd have said, you know what? There's absolutely no way that I can be presentable in that amount of time. What if I'd have said, you know, my hair, my makeup, my... What if I'd have done that? We would have... But it's... The thing about it is I don't even know what it could have caused us. Because because we had that then, we were on time for this... And because we had this then, we were on time for this. And because we had this then, we were on time for this. And because we had this then, we were on time for this. And that's what happens. When you do what he tells you to do, you don't miss something else that you didn't even know you could have missed. And that's the way God is. And it's never convenient. It's never when you can do it. It's always when the child is sick or the husband needs you or this person needs you or you're running late or you're, you wake up late or whatever. It's never the convenient morning. It's never the morning that you woke up and you got a little extra time. Oh, yeah, we'll lollygag over there. We'll check it out. No, it's always the morning that you happen to be running late or you don't feel good or you're whatever. Because the devil makes sure of that. Because he don't want you to have the good. He don't want you to know how good God is. That's his whole plan is for you never to find out how good God is so that you will never tell another living soul how good God is. But I got news for him. I'm going to tell the whole wide world how good God is because I know it because he's good and he's good to me. But see, I didn't know all the plan that he had for us and I didn't know what was the end result of that happening. And I didn't know the end result of us coming and vacationing here with our staff. Or I didn't know the end of that. But God knew it all the time. And it's the same thing with you. You may not understand why he's having you do what you're doing right now. Same thing with Moses. Moses' work was an illustration of the truth God would reveal later. Do you think Moses knew every single day the impact he would have on us today? Do you think he knew that we would be talking about him here, April, what is it, the 6th, 2012? I doubt seriously he knew that. No. All he knew was that he was sick and tired of these murmuring and complaining people, and God, please kill them. You know he prayed that, right? He did. He said, God, I can't take them anymore. Get rid of them. Don't you know it's a good thing that God and Moses didn't get mad on the same day? Or they'd have been wiped out. Because God got mad one day and Moses got mad one day and uh, it would have been a bad deal. They would have all been gone. But it didn't happen. But Moses had flesh too. You think you're the only one with flesh? No, Moses killed somebody and God still used him. Huh? Who does God use? People who will do what he says. So maybe you have messed up. Maybe you messed up big time. Maybe you killed somebody. I don't know. But will you make a change and do what God says do? That's what matters. That's all that matters. Because the person that will do what God says do will get all the results that God needs. God uses people. He uses you and you and you and every person in the room. And if you want to sit next to a person that's never made a mistake... And they tell you they've never made a mistake. They just made one because they lied. Because the Bible says Jesus is the only one that never made a mistake. We were counseling with some people one time. Dave and I were. And uh, it was the funniest thing because she says, I have never, never, ever sinned. We said, wow. We just looked at her. We said, wow. Wow. He is the one that keeps messing up, he is the one that keeps doing anything. I've never sinned. I've never done anything wrong. Dave says, You've never told a lie, you've never exaggerated, you've never done never, never. I said, You just did. There's nobody that has not. Because to know good and and do it not is sin. And if she even mistreated her husband, the Bible says a wife is supposed to do him good and not evil all the days of her life. And she was doing him some evil right then, telling all this bad stuff about him. So she was. Was it good? So anybody that is willing to do. Whatever God tells them to do. And you know what? It ain't always fun to do everything God tells you to do. You know what it'll mess with? What will it mess with? with your life it'll mess up your life it'll mess up everything about your life I was going into the medical field yeah Keith was going to be a fighter it messed with our life Mm -hmm. it messed with it It messes with it every single day There's not a day That I get up that I say Okay Phyllis what do you want to do today (laughs) You want to go shopping Yeah let's go shopping Duh You want to go on vacation Uh, Duh It messes with your life It messed with Moses' life He went up to get the Ten Commandments, and he comes down, and what happened? He thinks, I'm wiped out, I've been with God, I need a break, I need to rest. What happened? The people had gone slap crazy. This gold had just jumped into the fire and built a calf. Yeah, a big one. Now, did that mess with Moses' life? All he wanted to do was come down and rest. But no, he had to deal with the crazy people. Huh? It's exactly what happened. It will mess with your life. But you know what? It is the most wonderful mess with your life you've ever had messed with in your life ever. Ever, ever, ever. When you lay hands on somebody, and they've got a growth, and it disappears. When you lay hands on somebody, and they can't hear, and they can hear. Or when somebody comes to you and says, we were getting a divorce, but you know what? We're back together, and it's better than it's ever been. Ever. Ever. We didn't know it could be this good. Or, you know what? They said, I had cancer, and I had 10 days to live. I'm alive! Look at me. Look at me. I ain't dead. They said they were going to take our house. But you know what? Look, we got it. And you know what? Not only that, it's paid for now. That will mess with your life. When people's lives get changed and God used you to say something into their lives to help them. It didn't say... Pastors. It didn't say preachers. It didn't say uh, apostles and prophets would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. Who did it say would do that? It said believers will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. How many people in here believe in God? Uh, Keep your hands up just a minute. Um, Okay. Then that means... Every person in this room should be able to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. But why isn't it happening? Everybody thinks that just we should do it. And what's happening is, if only we should do it, then it's going to come a point in time where we are going to get run down. And tired. We've already got two churches Try and preach back and forth Try and train people Try and do this Try and do that How much can two people do? Huh? I remember I had a friend one time Where are you going Janet? I'm going to tell a story on her She's standing up Look at her She ain't going to like it. I'm going to tell it on her anyway. I tell off on them all the time. Janet wasn't working one time. Years and years and years ago. I was working for a doctor's office. I said, Janet, listen to her. I said, what makes you think you can stay home and I have to work? So she, Sky, let her stay home a little bit again. We started the church. She wasn't working. I said, Hey. Who said you could stay home and I have to work so much? I'll see you tomorrow morning at 8.30. She's one of the best help we've got. Why should she get to not do nothing and I have to work three jobs? Is that fair? No, now you can go, Janet. Doesn't she do a good job? Yes, she does. She's been one of my best friends for 30-something years. I'm not going to let her off the hook. I'll make her help me. And she does. Well, it's the same thing about you. Why should we have to do everything when we got all you wonderful people that are skilled and equipped and ready to do things? We can only do so much. I'll I'll tell you this, but then they're going to have to edit it out of the tape because my husband will get upset. I already work 20 hours a day. That's not exaggerating. You can only work so much. But I truly believe that this church is supposed to be here. Do you believe that? So if we all do our part, then it won't be such a big deal. You understand? But if it's just us trying to do it, then it can become a big deal because we can't all just do the same thing. That happened to somebody else. Somebody we just happened to be talking about tonight. Do you want to know who? Ah, Turn to Moses, to um, Exodus. No, no, it's not even in Exodus. I think I got it in here somewhere in my notes. If We can find them again. I got all messed up here on my notes. Uh, I think it's Exodus chapter 18. Let me find it. I don't think I have it in my notes. I have to pull my computer out. You scriptorians should be able to help me with that. Wasn't even planning on telling this. Exodus 18. Exodus 18. Thought that's kind of where it was. Yeah, that's it. That's what I wanted. Let's just read that whole chapter real quick. Y'all got time? Where are you going to go? Right here. Yeah, let's read it. This is, uh, I think this is, this is the NIV, so we'll read out of it. It says, Now Jethro, the priest of Midian, and the father-in-law of Moses, heard of everything God had done for Moses and for his people Israel, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. And after Moses had sent away his wife, Zipporah, his father in law Jethro received her and her two sons. And one of his, uh, one son named Gershon, for Moses said, I have become an alien in a foreign land. And the other son was named Eliezer, for he said, My father's God, my father's God was my helper, and uh, he saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses, sons and wife, came to him in the desert where he was camped near the mountain of God. And Jethro sent word to him, I, your father-in-law, Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and your two sons. So Moses met him. Let's see. uh, Then let's skip down to um, verse 13. We'll skip a little bit here. It says, The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge of the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. And when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses answered him, Because the people come to me and they seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. And Moses' father-in-law replied, What you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you and you cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them the decrees and the laws and show them the way to live and the duties they are to perform. But select, whoa, listen to that. Select capable men from all the people, men who fear God and trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens that sound like teams to you and have them serve as judges for the people at all times but have them bring every difficult case to you the simple cases they can decide themselves that will make your load lighter because they will share it with you if you do this as God commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home, what? Satisfied. And Moses listened to his father-in-law and did as he said and he chose capable men from all of Israel and made them leaders of people, officials over thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens and they served as judges for the people at all times in the difficult cases they brought to Moses. But the simple ones, they decided for themselves. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way, and Jethro returned to his own country. God said, I am God, I do what? I change not. And if that's the way he meant for things to be set up, then it's an example for us today. He doesn't mean that one or two people do everything for him and other people are not required to do anything for him. That's not the way God is. He's never been that way. He'll never become that way. His way intends that everybody get in and do what he tells them to do. That's the way he works. But the great benefit of it is my favorite part of the whole night. Are you ready for this? I was going to name the sermon tonight Years in Contentment. Does that sound better? Well, I think you'll like this. We read about all the things that God did and how exacting he was on building the temple. Is that correct? We scanned over it, read it real quickly. But you understand how particular he was about building the temple. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 in the NIV. Do you know that you... Yourselves are God's temple, and that God's Spirit lives in you. Now, if God was so exacting about how they built a tent, how much more exacting will He be? About how you get built. About what you do and what you see and what you hear. You are his temple. And everyone else that needs to fill these chairs are his temple. So will he care about how we go about doing the building of his temple? Will He give us instructions about how we're supposed to do this and who's supposed to do what and what we're supposed to use to do it and where everybody's supposed to go and what direction they're supposed to be in and when they're supposed to be doing it and how they're supposed to be doing it? you think He would? If he's going to build a tent and give that explicit instruction, he's definitely going to give us explicit instructions about how you're to be built and how she's supposed to be built and what's going to minister to her and what's going to minister to that other person that comes in the door. And if somebody comes in the parking lot and they get out of the car and you're the parking lot person and you're standing there, God's going to give you the exact instructions on what to say to them that is going to get them in here and get them saved and up this aisle. Will He do that? If we will follow His leadings and do exactly what He tells us to do and every person is in the position that they're supposed to be in, if the greeter that's standing at that door is the one that that person that comes in that's never been saved before comes through their door and they're following what God tells them to say when that person walks in the door then that person might be just exactly where they need to be to hear exactly what they need to hear to get turned on to the Lord when it might just be, uh, that is the prettiest blouse I've ever seen. Or it might just be, I need to give you a hug today. Or it might just be, you smell really good today. Or it might just be a smile and welcome. We're so glad to have you today. Or it might just be, you know what, you can park right here in the front. we got a special place for you. And they may not have felt special in 40 years. And you were the one that did it. Would he give you the special instruction to minister to a person, to get them in here, to get them saved? He will if you're in the right place. And that's my job. If I can help, hear from God to say okay yeah they're supposed to be there 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 and we all get in our right places and then when you get in your place you're led as to what you tell them you're led as to what you tell them you're led as to how you do this you're led as to how you do that and you're led as to how you do this we're gonna have people coming out of the scenes in here getting saved and you know what that is the most important thing that you will ever do in your life Is lead people to the Lord You may have family members that are not saved What a greater way to get somebody in your family saved Than to sow a seed And helping somebody else get saved That's the way it works And if we're all in our proper place Doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing There is going to be Word of knowledge There's going to be word of wisdom There's going to be uh, love coming forth There's going to be from each and every person That's in this room And it's going to be not Coming forth in such a way you got to go Oh, thus says the Lord No This is a word of knowledge This is a word of wisdom God loves you You're, you're, you're just sure looking sharp today Sorry that it's been such a rough week for you I think it can be better after today's service All you told them was that you realize They had a rough week this week What? No thus says the Lord Wasn't no big fanfare around it. It was you're being led. You told them just a quick word with a quick pat on the hand that God gave you something that ministered directly to them to help them out of a situation, to get them over the hump for the week. And it was you. It wasn't the person in this pulpit. It was you being led as to what to say. It was you getting the word of wisdom. It was you getting the word of knowledge. You know, there's all this big hoopla about, Oh, thus says the Lord. Scares half the people in the world? It does. It scares them out of their wits. They think, what Lake jaco planet did you fall off of? <coughs> when all you got to do is walk up to somebody and say, You know what? That kid of yours is going to be okay okay. That's all it takes. <coughs> Turn somebody's life totally and completely around. You don't have to add no, thus says the Lord, no anything like that. Just add, I've got some water in here. Yeah. Maybe I should take a sip. What do you think? There we go. Um, you don't have to add a big fanfare to it and scare them. Maybe they've never been around God in their whole life, but you say one word that helps them to know. You know, you just say, you know what? Marriage can be tough, but God's got the answers. What's the fanfare in that? Along with, it sure's a pretty dress you got on. If we do that and we're all in the right place where we need to be, things are going to start happening. People are going to start getting help. And not only that, you start helping other people you start forgetting about your own problems. You know why you forget about them? Because they go away. That's what happens. Listen to my final verse. Are you ready for it? We got finished with this tonight, guys. What about that? Listen to this final verse. Job 36, verse 11 in the King James. I think you're going to like it. If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. The Amplified says it this way If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and and their years in pleasantness and joy. Can anybody go for that? I think so. And listen to the last one it is the NIV. I think you're really going to like it. If they obey and serve Him, they will spend the what? In other words, you ain't been spending your days there, but you got time. It's not too late. It's not too late. It's not too late. Say it, it's not too late. It's not too late. late. If they obey and serve Him, they will spend the rest of their days in prosperity and their years in contentment. Stand to your feet. I want us to read again, before we close this series out, our very first verse of Ephesians 2.10 in the Amplified. And this time, I would like every person in here to read it with us. Read it in faith. You know, that full thing we were talking about? Maybe you've never believed this. But faith is real, and you got to act on it in order for it to come to pass. Read this in faith, though it's never happened in your life. Read it and believe it and expect it from this night forward. Can you do that? All right, let's do it. For we are God's own handiwork. His workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus Born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined and planned beforehand for us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for me. Say, for me. For me to live. For me to live. In Branson, everybody asks us how do we become a member of Faith Life Church? A member of Faith Life Church means that you become a part of the family. Wouldn't you agree? Well, if I were going to accept you as a part of my family, like several years ago, I took my niece in. She lived with us from the time she was like 14 till she was like 19 or something. And then that, that she got a job and got out on her own and stuff. Well, when she became a part of my family, I expected certain things of her. I didn't just let her show up at my house and throw fits. I didn't just let her show up at my house and act the way she was acting before. I didn't just let her show up at my house and keep her room the way she kept it before. I didn't just let her show up at my house and not do anything or have any chores or or not do her schoolwork or not do anything. There were certain things that I required of her to be a part of our family. and that's kind of the way it is they're not hard requirements because you know why you get all the benefits we get none of them for you to serve God you will live in joy and pleasantness and prosperity and contentment you will that's the way it works and that's how you become a member is you serving God in some capacity? I don't have a, an agenda to make every person do something. That verse that said that. Y'all yeah, quit here in a minute. Let's see where it was. Speak to the Israelites that they take for me an offering from every man who gives it willingly ungrudgingly with his heart shall you receive my offering that is absolutely the only way that God will receive anything from man anything he will not receive your service He will not receive your tithes. He will not receive your offerings. He will not receive your love. He will not receive your words. He will not receive your prayers. He will not receive anything from you. Except you do it willingly and ungrudgingly. And that's how you receive from Him. If you feel like somebody's making you do something, there's no benefits in it. If you put somebody sitting next to you, makes you get out your billfold, your wife's next to you, she beats you and makes you put that ten dollar bill in the offering plate, you're not gonna get any benefit out of that. But if you do it willingly, because you want to, you will reap the harvest. And some people in here, their lives have been going in a bad, bad, bad direction. They have been hurt. By people, they've been hurt by family members. You can just feel it when you come in here. You can just feel that there's a lot of hurts going on. And I've waited purposely to say anything about it because I know God and I know it's not Him that people ever hurt and they ever lay in their bed at night and cry and say, God, I can't take it anymore because you don't have to take it God wants you to live in pleasantness and he wants you to live in joy but you have to know how to do it before you can have it and he says you have to do what he says for you to do in order to have that and it's not hard so all I'm asking you to do is check your heart are you serving God Or is God serving you? To come to church and somebody just feeds you all the time is not serving God. That's God serving you. There's a difference in the two. So check your hearts and see if there's something you're supposed to be doing for God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I just pray over these people. And you know why they're here tonight. It's no accident and it's no coincidence. You see them. You see their hearts. And they came willingly. I presume no one made them come. And they want things changed in their homes and in their lives. They want things changed forever. They don't ever want to go back to those horrible places again, Father. They want to move forward with you, Father. And you are a God that cannot lie. And you said in your word, if we would obey you, that our lives would be filled with joy and prosperity and pleasantness and contentment. So, Father, I just ask you now, every person that's supposed to serve you in any capacity, you deal with their hearts. I know you don't choose that any person serve you unwillingly or grudgingly. So I ask you to deal with them, Father. And I ask you to show them what they're supposed to do for you, Father. Whether it be here, whether it be on another continent, whether it be in another state. Wherever it is, Father, that a person is supposed to be serving you, whatever they're supposed to be doing, I ask you to reveal it to them now if there's things that you've shown them in the past that they were supposed to do for you, you're a God of mercy and you're a God of grace. And you'll reveal it to them again. You said the rest of our lives could be living in contentment. So we know that you're there with us, Father. And if we've missed it, as Moses missed it, he killed somebody, Father, and you used him mightily. There's no condemnation in you. I ask you to remove the condemnation from any person's heart that's in here now and give them a free heart to serve you. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed and no no one looking around, if you're in here tonight, please, no one looking around, not even ushers, no one looking around. Fire band, close your eyes also, please. If you're in here tonight, You're not committing to anything with me or this church. You're committing to God. That's it. You and God. Only you and God. If there's things God has asked you to do for Him and you have not done them, you need to make it right with Him. So I ask you now, just as a commitment to the Lord, to lift your hand to Him and say, God, I'll do it. God, I'll do it. Just between you and him. God, I'll do it. I'll do whatever you've told me to do. I'll do it. You don't have to lift it high, just show him. But if you mean business, just lift both of them. God, I'll do it. I'll do it. I know I'll do it. I'll do it. I've got both mine up. God, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Whatever it takes, I'll do it. Whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it, God. I'll not hold back. I'll do it wholeheartedly because I love you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father, for these people. You can put your hands down. I ask you now, Father, just as you equipped and gave Moses the ability to speak through Aaron, whatever abilities that these people need, whatever funds they need, whatever equipment they need, whatever tools they need, whatever they need to serve you wholeheartedly I ask you for them now in Jesus name I ask you for them now in Jesus name and I ask you to give back every year that was eaten up father and multiply it back to them in Jesus name thank you for it And everyone that agreed with that said, Amen. Amen. Glory to God.